Ready. Ready. Sound. Okay, Legionese, Legion peoples, we want to know if you, you're getting sound. So you know the routine. Beat on and Donkey did a great podcast last night, and it was acting like it was showing that they had sound, but it wasn't. There was no sound. So, good morning, Ed Heckman. Good morning, Beer Man, Big Al, uh, Calrona, Donkey Teeth, Ed Heckman, Lou Landers, Mr. Box. Oh, Lou, hey, you're with me. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm with you, and I'm also in the chat room. Sweet. So I am just amazed at the chances of you being awake and ready to do a show at six o'clock in the morning. Well, like it's six now, but when I when I contact you, I'm like, are you awake? <laughs> it's probably I don't know. Was it like four or five your time? It, it was like quarter to five. Yeah. So is the sound even or are voices like one's really much louder than the other one or hook me up? Give me some input. Be on. Did you see in Atlanta, uh, Mr. Boxscores put this link in the chat room last night during your podcast. I'm sure you looked at it, but the Atlanta Falcons have a Chick-fil-A in their new stadium, even though the Chick-fil-A isn't open on Sundays, which I did think was pretty funny, even though, uh, in their defense, there are other things that go on at the football stadium besides just football, but really it is for football. And so most of the games happen on Sundays and I just think that's quite funny or quite well. What I want to know more about is why is Chick-fil-A not open on Sundays? Because every day is a good day for a chicken sandwich. It doesn't just need to be Monday through Saturday. And every day is a good day to make money if you're a business owner, but it's really for religious purposes and all that. So, you know, to each their own. But as a business owner, you got to think like there's got to be a better day if you're going to be in a football stadium. And isn't it? I don't know if uh, Chick-fil-A is one of the big sponsors of a bowl that they have there. I'm not really sure all the details, but I did find it pretty cute, kind of ironic. So are the sounds – okay, good. The sounds are good for both of us. Thank you for the input. Um, it, it is for religious purposes, but it is. It's 6 in the morning where Lou is, and I don't know when he sleeps, but I'm so glad that he's always paying attention to baseball, number one, and he's always – Awake, <laughs> which whatever. So that's great. Hey, Al. Okay. Uh, well, I'm like a vampire, you know. You yeah. Well, me too. Let's get started now because I think I want to give. I, I think I want to rant for a little bit. And since uh, well, Cha Cha was going to do the show this morning, but um, had some family emergency that he needed to attend to. So Lenny was uh, off to get the car checked out and. Um, do the errands, you know, because we're leaving tomorrow on our road trip. And so he said, can you do the podcast? And I was like, okay. And so as I'm looking around, I'm, you know, I, I always have, I, I kind of always have a rant like deep down inside me, but sometimes I feel like I, you know, I should probably keep my mouth shut, but what the heck? I have a platform. I'm going to, I'm, I'm a woman and I like to say how I feel, whatever, you know what I mean? So, but I'll do that rant after we talk about baseball so that anybody Andrea, that... I've never known you ever to speak your mind. Always. Like, always. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for it, but I don't care because I have something to say and that's that. And, you know, baseball comes first, of course, and 
we will definitely go over the baseball first. That way, people can decide whether or not they want to hear my bitchy rant or not. Then they can leave or, or not. But don't hold it against Lenny. If you hate me, don't hold it against Lenny. And that's that. Okay, here we go. Justin Verlander. Uh, so the Houston Astros are talking with the Tigers still about getting uh, Justin Verlander. And he has... That was his seventh straight start last night with at least six innings pitched. He only had one earned run, two hits, eight innings, struck out nine. He's been really good. Like, he's either, you know, he's, he knows he's about to get traded, but I don't think he even might have a problem with that. I mean, the guy's getting older, and he might want to play for a contending team, you know, and win a World Series. What do you think? I think, I'm surprised the move hasn't happened already. I mean, I've been talking about Verlander I feel like for the last month and a half going somewhere, it was going to be the Dodgers for a long time. Clearly that's not out of the question. Now there's still talk. There was talks about the Cubs because they wanted controllable arms, but then they went with Quintana and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think Houston's perfect. We've talked about it a number of times. Lenny's talked about it. I've talked about it on a number of other shows. It makes no sense for Houston to go into the postseason with the current starting rotation that they have. They need something else. And at one point when Verlander was struggling, okay, maybe he wasn't the right option. But the way he's pitching right now, another veteran presence in that rotation is exactly what they need to get back into the talks in the American League. Because right now it's all about Cleveland and Boston. I couldn't agree with you more about the veteran present, okay? He is definitely uh, – he's a guy. He's a deal-breaker. He's the type of guy that gets traded at this time of the season that's going to either make or break a team. Like, he's the guy that you turn to, not no Sonny Gray, okay? You don't turn to Sonny Gray. You turn to a guy like Justin Verlander who can – you know, he's just experienced and he gets it done. So, plus he has a hot girlfriend, so what are you going to do? She's not only hot, but she's cool. So – Anyway, there was no hits in this game on either side until the sixth inning. Justin Upton hit his 26th home run. Curtis Granderson, the big, uh, he's the most maddening fantasy player I've ever owned in my life. I'm no joking. He's the most frustrating guy because, and I mean, I'm, I actually had him on my bench, but this is like the third time I've owned him in that one league this season. I've dropped him. I picked him back up. He only hits home runs when he's sitting on my bench. Now that he's in L.A., I am going to put him back in the lineup. The thing is, he hits in the middle of the order, and when you're, you know, there's a big difference between batting in New York for the Mets and batting in the in the Dodgers lineup, you know? I mean, just the numbers, they, they're going to be much better. So, okay, I can handle it if Granderson goes for a little uh, while without hitting home runs, but I don't know if he might, he might just be, like, on fire from here on out. So I'm keeping him in my lineup. What are you doing? I do not own him anywhere. I used to own him a ton when he was with the Yankees. Big surprise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the move to L.A., although um, he is hitting at the top of the order there, he's, he's going to be able to score a ton of runs. I thought he like, was hitting there's, in there's the middle. Lot. Is he not? No, he, he let off yesterday. Oh, he did? He let off yesterday. I mean, maybe he'll hit in the middle, but I don't see why he would. With um, Gonzalez back, Turner there, Puig, it really wouldn't make any sense for him to hit in the middle at all. And Why? I know they sent – didn't they send down Jock Peterson um, yeah, to, they, okay. to make room for him? So where was Jock Peterson hitting in the lineup? Was he not hitting either he right was, at the bottom I mean, right he the sucked. He, he was not hitting at all. But as far as like where he was in the lineup, he was like at the bottom of the lineup. But so when Curtis Granderson came there, it was going to be that Jock Peterson was going to lose time. And it was – I think it was going to – you know, Granderson was going to hit against righties or lefties. 
I think it was righties and Jock Peterson was going to sit. But now that they sent him down, it's pretty much like, you know, game on for Curtis Granderson. I thought that he was going to be batting in the middle of the order where he should be batting, by the way. Uh, he doesn't steal a ton of bases, okay? I don't know what he, he's Well, just, he's old. He's old now. He's not and a, he hits 226. So, yeah, I mean, him being at the top of the order, um, it's not even like he's getting on base that much. You look at some of the other batting averages in the lineup here. I mean, you have 226 with Granderson, and then Seeger's at 308, Turner's at 340. Um, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense there. Why not have Seeger leading off? I know he's not a speedster either, but uh, at least you have a guy who's getting on base quite a bit. Well, um, um Chris Taylor normally leads off. Um, I'm looking at the daily lineups now on Rotowire, which I love this. Yeah, well, there's no Taylor yesterday, and unless Bellinger's hurt, there was no Bellinger either. Uh, yeah, Bellinger has a mild ankle sprain. He came out of the game on Saturday, and um, he's not. I don't. He's not going to hit the DL, according to him and managers, management Dave Roberts over there. Both of them are playing it down like it's no big deal. But he sat out yesterday, and they say he could miss another game or two. I mean, as far as the fantasy owner is concerned, just put him on the DL or put him in the game, okay? Because I don't have time for this. Yeah, unfortunately, Dave Roberts doesn't care about our fantasy. Well, lineups. they need to. He just wants to. He just wants to. Yeah, they do need to. But he just yeah. wants to keep his uh, his star rookie safe. Um, with Detroit, there's not much except for the fact that Upton hit another home run. Yeah. Um, Upton hit his 26. He's having a great season. Love it. He's having a really good year. Love it. And the Mets uh, lost to the Marlins. Adam Conley pitched seven innings, uh, one earned run, three hits, two walks, and 11 strikeouts. Struck out double digits for the first time in his career. Uh, Took him 102 pitches. Not horrible in these days. And 67% went for strikes. So that's fine. He actually has pitched two quality starts in a row, and he's going to face the Padres next, so he could be a guy that, you know, could be streamable. I mean, with Stanton on the team, he's definitely going to get some run support since he went ahead and hit his 45th home run last night. I was going to say, the the only real big, big news ever with the Marlins right now is has to be Giancarlo Stanton, although it's interesting because the Marlins, I mean, it's still six games, but the Marlins are quietly in the playoff hunt again. There's six games behind Arizona for a wild card spot. I know that's not that small amount, but all of a sudden this team is two games under 500 and in the race, as well as teams like um, Milwaukee and St. Louis very much, in the wild card race, we actually have a wild card race again in the National League. But D. Gordon, two more hits. Uh, Yelich, three hits. I mean, the Marlins—they're one through five realistically with Gordon, Stanton, Yelich, Osuna, Real Muto. Um, this is a team that could be very, very good if they don't decide to sell off pieces. If new ownership comes in, like this Derek Jeter group comes oh. in and don't sell off all these pieces. I like this team moving forward, especially well, with the guy who was on the mound last they, night. I like yeah, him too. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. If they don't get – if I mean, come on, man. They are not going to win anything until they fix that pitching rotation. So that's that. But either way, their pitching – their hitting is is wonderful. I mean, they do have some young, good up-and-coming players. But if they don't address the starting pitchers, they are going to never compete. And I don't think they're going to be able to compete this year either, but that's just my opinion. Let's go to the Rays. They avoid getting swept on the season uh, by Seattle. So basically, that was the last time they're going to play Seattle this year. They beat them 3 to nothing, so they can't say that they got swept on the season. Blake Snell, seven shutout innings. 
he's won back-to-back starts, right? But the first 15 starts of the season, he couldn't get a win. So what do you think of Blake Snell? Uh, Blake Snell's got all the stuff in the world. He just cannot locate ever. Um, oh. When he locates, when he locates and isn't walking five hit hitters per start, he has a chance to win. He only walked two, so he had a chance to win. He's got the strikeout stuff. Um, this is, I mean, I wouldn't give up on him if you're like in a dynasty type situation, keeper, whatever it might be. But um, like for the rest of the year, he's not the most consistent guy. He's not someone you necessarily want to rely on, in my opinion. Um, I sold him you know, a year and a half ago when his value was still at an all-time high because he was still really a prospect. Um, but I do believe the stuff is there, absolutely. Um, so the closer in, in Tampa, Alex Colome, got his 36th save. That's hella good. That's great. And Danny Hechevaria, he is – I know he's not a great fantasy guy, but every time you look at, like, the um, – the recaps of the games and stuff. You, uh, he actually hit his third home run last night of the season, but um, his defense is unbelievable to watch. It's like Javi Baez, you know? I mean, both of those guys are just great fun to watch. And um, so that's that for them. They need to either hit home runs or, they don't, or they're not going to make it. You know, they're pretty much falling out of the playoff contention as we speak, but there's so many. There's like five or six teams in the American League that just won't fall out of contention right now. It's crazy. Uh, Giovanni Gallardo, three earned runs on five hits with three blocks and six strikeouts over six and a third innings. Let's move on to your favorite boys, your spankies. And I get to gloat today because you... I was going to say, I'm sure, I'm sure that you've been waiting since, since you found out I was awake this morning. I'm sure you've been waiting to talk about no. this game specifically. Actually Just not. Just Do you want to know why not? Because really nothing happened that good in the game. Nothing really that good happened. Brett Garner hit his 20th home run. Other than that, it was pretty boring. Like Rick Porcello... This guy's a – I mean, everybody's given up on him by now, and, and there's no way that I would ever recommend, like, even picking him up for not even a, a spot star because he's just so, like, unreliable. You just don't even know what he's going to do. Sonny Gray didn't strike out anybody. Five innings, two earned runs, seven hits. But how, it was a boring game, dude. What can I say? There was just not a lot going on in that. It was very boring, but, but even if you're even if you're not a fan of these teams, right now I am tuning in to watch Raphael Devers and Gary Sanchez. Well, poor Gary Sanchez. Okay, what about Aaron Judge, who now? I mean, uh, the other the day. Strikeouts. I know the strikeouts. Oh my goodness. Well, whatever. Look, people have ups and downs, and I am not gonna even sit here and act. You know, I live in New York, so I hear people complaining all the time on the AM radio, the fan. And yesterday in chatter, I put in a caller into the station, got banned from calling into the station because he was all pissed off at Joe Girardi saying that Joe Girardi should have benched Aaron Judge so that he didn't strike out in the seventh inning because they felt like these uh, fans here are fair weather, by the way, and they they only they complain constantly when they're not winning and when they're winning, everything's happy. Everything's great. But the problem is, is that. They think that keeping Judge in the third spot in the order is bad because you want guys that can get on base in the third spot. I kind of understand that logic, right? But in the seventh inning, you got a guy like Judge. I mean, really, you you he's either going to strike out or hit a home run at this point. Your chances are just as good that he's going to make contact. Um, or maybe not. I mean, pretty much – Every layman knows that he can't hit high in the strike zone. So if you have any kind of control on your pitches at all, 
you know where to pitch to judge. Oh yeah, they um, the, the league is caught up to him, and he's going to have to to adjust back. And you know, we saw him make adjustments this past offseason, tremendous adjustments. So I'm sure he can do so again. Um, but yeah, I think you're right there. I think the, one of the more, more interesting um, storylines in this game was actually Araldis Chapman oh. pitching. I think in the sixth inning. Oh um, God, this is. I mean, I mean, I mean th- this is hilarious. It's because... so rude. It's so rude. It just tears up these guys. Let me say something. When you play for New York, you're dealing with the meanest, most crazy media and fans in baseball. So here's poor Judge. He comes up, right? He's just humble. He's a nice guy. Everything's great. Everybody loves him. Everybody's buying his jerseys. I mean, he's, it's the only jersey you can find this year. You know, last year it was Gary Sanchez. Now it's Aaron Judge. Now think of, like, what a disappointment you must feel like when all of a sudden you go from – everybody's highest hopes to everybody's biggest nightmare and every and mentally that has to be so bad now a world is chapman i think takes it different because he's the type of guy that just doesn't give a shit he's like whatever you know he he knows he's a good pitcher he's confident on the mound he's experienced enough to know how to deal with it he is probably just pissed right now how are you going to replace me with Dylan batansis right how are you going to how are you going to replace me with david whoever they have five or six potential closers yeah, I mean, anyone can close um, on that team in theory. Um, I mean, I guess I, I guess to me, he was just like he's been really, really struggling in that closers role. I really don't think this is going to be – this isn't anything we're going to see for a long period of time. I think this is more of a let's get him into a situation where it's not high leverage. Let oh, him please. Get his, his stuff back. That is- I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, Maybe there are pitchers that 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 works for. I know that there are pitchers out there that that might work for, right? Okay, the Dusty Baker type. Oh, wham, wham, wham. Will like take the pressure off of you if you can't handle it. And when you you know once you ease back in, we'll get you going. A role Chapman is hurt. That's all there is to it. He's hurt and now he's pissed. So that's not gonna get. I, that is not good for the Yankees by any stretch of the word. Good. I mean, I can't wait to watch uh, Vic DiBattetto today because. It's going to be just the funniest crap ever, you know? Cause the- well, also, if you own Chapman in fantasy like I do in oh. one of my important leagues, AL only important league, I'm like, he is, the last couple weeks, he has destroyed my ERA and whip, and now I can't even drop him because I need him potentially if I'm going to be able to get saves from him again, but... You could be right like now, me and just go pick up all kinds of Matt Belisles, Claudios. You could pick up like Tyler Clippard. He gets a save. I would, I would, but every, all these guys are owned because it's AL only, so well, they're all owned already because everyone's trying to catch up in saves, which is why one. I can't afford to drop them. Here's one for you. Pick up maybe Tyler Lyons, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be another closer coming up soon. Just keep your eyes open. And you need to Something. be quick because there's going to be another closer like in the next day or two. A new closer will arrive on the horizon. Let's talk about the Angels. Sweep Baltimore. The Angels are really in this thing. Last night I dropped uh, Nick Castellanos. They're for real. I dropped Nick Castellanos to pick up C.J. Cron because, you know, I was talking to Tony C. about it. It's like – uh, you know, he said a wise man once said, as the team goes, so goes the player. And that is true. CJ Cron is hitting like crazy right now. The Angels are on fire. They 
each team in this game used five pitchers last night. I find it interesting because they're using so many pitchers in games. It's unbelievable, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But um, Anderson Simmons, he hit his 13th home run, but he is useful. Andrew, you know what's the most interesting about this game? Hmm. Bud Norris got a save opportunity. What up? Okay, that's like, whatever. Were we not talking about this last week? It was Middleton, then it was Petit, then it was Pedrosian, then it was Pedrosian again. Oh, please. It was Middleton. Dude. Now it's Norris. Like, what on earth is going on here in LA? I'm so, going to pull out my hair. Here's what's going on Bedrosian is weak. Okay, he's a weenie. He's a total weenie, and he can't hang. And so they're being extra special careful with him. Like, now it's not only like, oh, you pitched last night, you can't pitch today. Oh, gosh, you pitched two times this week. You can't pitch now again. So they're going to totally just mix and match with the closers. <laughs> but, but yesterday he pitched in the seventh inning. I That's know. So I know. Funny. It's so. He got a win. He did get a win. I know. Well, right? You, hey, I mean, Bedrosian. I'm so you happy that he did, that. too, because that was my only happiness when I saw this. Um, Chris Davis hit his 19th home run. Cole Calhoun hit his second home run of the series. He's at 16. What a disappointment he's been all season. But the Angels are really in a place where they can get it done. They have, like, the worst offense in baseball. Uh, it's their, They win with defense is how they win games. So um, we'll see how that works. But it just goes to show you that, you know, it's not all about the home run. It's it's You know what? In baseball chatter, I do – um, sections. I mean, I've tried a few different things. I kind of want to see like what people are interested in reading, but I've pretty much figured out like the best way for me is I make sections. So I do like team news. I do player news. I do injury updates. And now I've added over the last like three or four days, I've added a whole section for just home runs. So basically it's like, I don't have to keep writing out, you know, he hit home run, he hit home run. It's always like, okay, he hit his 10th home run or his 19th home run or whatever. And it, it just makes it so much easier for me to just put all the home run hitters. And literally there's like 50 home runs hit every day or like, you know, that's an exaggeration a little bit. But the other day there was like 45 home runs hit in one day. It's unbelievable how many home runs. Home runs and strikeouts, that's that's the name of the game right now. The Twins beat the Diamondbacks 12-5. to The Diamondbacks, okay, I don't even know, but they've lost a whole ton of their games. And since the break, they're just, like, on a slippery slope. I don't know what's happened to them, but... Um, they're not going to make the playoffs the way, the way that they're going. I think I was telling you um, earlier on, Milwaukee's two and a half back, St. Louis is four back. Um, I mean, there's a lot of baseball left for either one of those central teams to not win their division and still get into the playoffs. And it was very possible. I mean, for months we were thinking, what, three teams in the West? It is a lock. No longer is it a lock. We could easily see two teams from the central get in. Okay. TJ McFarland, he's the starting pitcher last night. He lasted one out. He threw 38 pitches to eight batters and earned seven runs. I don't even know if I've ever seen that before. He walked two. Oh, let me repeat that. He faced eight batters. He threw 38 pitches, and he got one out, and he earned seven runs, and that's it. 24 of 38 pitches were strikes. Maybe that was his whole problem. It was like batters were taking batting practice off of this guy. Yeah, his ERA and WHIP are probably infinity right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even look at him. I don't. I didn't even know. Zero point one innings pitched. Yeah, one five out. Five hits, two walks. So he got one out, allowed five hits, two walks, seven runs. Yeah, that's that's a new one. I mean, it's pretty crazy, tall, right? His opponent Cologne pretty much didn't have to. <laughs> all he had to do was go five innings. Well, yeah. Plus, and he's gonna get a win. 
Yeah. You look at the and two. Then look, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I'm looking at Shipley, too, who came in um, and, I mean, his five and two-thirds inning, four runs is not good, but when you compare it to McFarland's third one out. inning and seven runs, it looks one, fantastic. One out, dude. One out. So we should just say Shipley basically started it. The poor guy had inherited – I mean, this was – it was no good because it went seven earned runs for McFarland in one out and four more runs for Shipley uh, over the next however many. So Minnesota just pretty much like got the game. They didn't even have to try. Buxton stole his 22nd base of the season. I'm still waiting for him to hit a bunch of home runs, but I guess that only happened in September. We'll have to see. Uh, Bartolo Colon did give up three home runs. So that the, the game was constant action, but just kind of like, wow, this, okay? This is just it gets to a point where it's like not even that fun to watch when there's too many runs or when there's no runs, you know. But well, there's, it's fun when there's a lot of runs back and forth and it's going to be like a 12-10 final, not a 12-5 final. You know, right. I mean, when, when, when it's when it's nine nothing after the first inning, it's really not that exciting. Uh, Minnesota scored on all their hits, though. They had 12 hits and they scored 12 runs. And that's pretty damn good. So you got that going. Uh, what else? AJ Pollock stole a 17th base. Blah blah blah. Dozier hit a. How about Eddie Rosario having? Oh, are you kidding? Well, okay, he's having a pretty good month. Well, overall, I uh, I I would take I would take his uh, in 17 homers and 50 ribbies, 57 runs, and almost 400 at bats. Absolutely average. Totally. Pretty darn good. For sure. I mean, I'm not trying to like... He's only 25 years old, too. I mean... He's definitely uh, come on very strong, and he's probably a free agent in people's leagues. I mean, I don't know if you can... You know, last night was um, the free agent bidding and stuff like that, but you know he's not there after that. he's He definitely should be picked up in all... all all sorts of leagues, right? So, yeah. We all give him credit where credit's due. He hit a grand slam... He's had three home runs or, or four home runs in the last three games or something crazy like that. He's been on fire, bottom line. I don't have his stats in front of me, but he, he's definitely uh, getting it done. Unfortunately, I think he, you know, I don't know where he bats in the lineup. I, I think that they would be smart to keep him in the middle of the lineup, but I think they had him at the top of the lineup. I don't know why. He was hitting second yesterday. Um, well, now with with Sano on the DL, maybe oh. you'll see him move down. Maybe you might see him move down a little bit because Sano, um, I believe Sano has some sort of issue with his shin. Yeah, I think he was placed on the DL yesterday. Right. So it's possible that we'll see Rosario move down. But um, I mean, Buxton was hitting third yesterday. I mean, you would think that maybe Buxton would move up to one, and Dozier would move down in the lineup too with his power. Eduardo Escobar is going to get some playing time with Sano on the disabled list. He, Definitely. You know, Eduardo Escobar and Adrianza, they're both really position eligible. Like, they're just uh, – they both they both play all kinds of places. Like, Escobar, he's played second base, third base, shortstop, outfield, and DH. Uh, Adrianza, he's played first base, second base, third base, shortstop, outfield. Basically every position but catcher, okay? So, I mean, that's helpful in fantasy. Uh, Adrianza steals bases. Eduardo Escobar is going to hit home runs. 
uh, I like, I mean, I, I definitely think that it's not, it's, it wouldn't be the worst thing to do whilst if you have Sano to pick up one of these guys. Um, the shin problem that he's having, it's a stress reaction in his shin, so I don't think he's going to be out too long. But that is not good because Sano, is a he's a necessary piece to this puzzle for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're right there. I mean, I think they're tied with the Angels for the uh, second wildcard spot right now. Um, they've won four in a row. Um, he's their, their most complete, or I should say most dangerous hitter. I mean, you have Dozier, who's fantastic, but he's definitely their most dangerous hitter right there in the middle of the lineup. They're going to need him. And for fantasy owners, I mean, I'm a snow owner, and obviously he's tailed off from his hot first half. But he's still a guy that anytime he goes out there, every time he swings the bat, you think he's going to hit a home run. Uh, that Et raw power is just off the charts. Yes. Etch in your kitchen table. Let us know to get your twins in the lineup this week because they have eight games, five with the Red uh, White Sox, five with the White Sox, and eight total. So that's always good. That's Yeah, that's always good to get those more at-bats. So thank you for that. Um the Oakland A's beat the Astros. This is this is just another thing. You know, it's like after yesterday with Verlander the way he pitched and the Astros lost again. It just goes to show you how much they really do need a guy like Verlander. Brad Peacock. Bleh. Brad Peacock. Okay. He gave up two runs, but neither of them were earned. I'll give him that. They were scored by two errors. He allowed four hits, struck out eight, as always, and walked three. He made it through five and a third innings this time, but I don't trust him for a second. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, which isn't very far, and I just don't believe that he's that good of a pitcher. I mean, I'm surprised that he even made it five and a third innings, so, uh, but that's that. Clippard came in and pitched the ninth, but of course there was no save to be had, and Marwin Gonzalez hit his 21st home run, and then you got Trianon, who uh, pitched like crap for the Nationals, and then comes over to the uh, Oakland A's, and he... Pitched two innings, which you gotta love. Faced seven batters and got his seventh save. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty solid in in Oakland. Um, and you're right, he was terrible with Washington. Um, maybe it's the change in the league and the batters don't know him. Maybe it's a hitter friendly ballpark. I mean, a pitcher friendly ballpark. Who knows? Those are just you know random things people chalk up to. Um, you talked about Peacock. Um, he didn't pitch poorly. No. Um, but Oakland strikes out a lot. I mean, even if he wasn't a strikeout caliber pitcher, he was going to get a lot of strikeouts. But if you actually look at it a little closer, this wasn't a very good start for him. He never seven has, hits. He never seven has. hits and two walks. I mean, nine base runners in just over five innings. It's not going to get it done, even if there were errors. I mean, if those guys, if he didn't have so many base runners, those errors wouldn't have led to runs. See, that's, so sometimes those are, yeah, sometimes that stuff kind of stuff is misconstrued. Brad Peacock's worst problem is allowing runners to get on base. That's the, I mean, obviously your job as a pitcher is to keep runners off the base paths, and he does not. There isn't really, it's not always out there like the stat of base runners, you know, um, Rasball always includes, like, how many base runners were on. But usually all you see is, like, the number of hits, the number of walks, blah, blah, blah. All I know is that that's his biggest problem, allowing runners on the base paths for whatever reason, whether it's walking them, letting them get hits, or for whatever reason, if they're on the base path, it's a bad idea. And my big, another big problem that he has is that he can't go deep into game. He can't even make – I mean, most of the time he can't even qualify for a win. But, okay, 
the argument is getting old, I'm sure, and people are sick of hearing me complain about it. So I'm going to move on because I could totally see why somebody would just think I'm straight up wrong. Like, you don't make any sense because look at his numbers. How can you see his numbers and think he's not a good pitcher? I get that, but I don't, I, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> we're all allowed to make up our own mind, right? I, I make up my own. So let's talk about the Royals and the Indians, okay? Terry Francona is the best manager in baseball. Do you agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. He is um, he is fantastic, and to me, um, to me, he is just as important to this Indians team as anyone else on the roster, including their pitchers, um, Lindor, Ramirez, etc. Um, what I am a little disturbed about was how terrible Danny Salazar was yesterday. Um, Twelve hits, because, four and two yeah, thirds. That, well, that, that's that's a rough start after after what he's been doing lately. Um, I would, I was shocked because I I had him in my lineup. I was like, okay, this uh, guy is rolling, rolling right now. He had been cruising. He'd arguably been almost as good as Kluber over his last three or four starts. I wouldn't say that, but okay. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying here. We do, definitely. He's been good. He's been a good. He's been pitching well. And last night was not definitely not a great uh, outing. But they all have an outing here or there that's not good. I mean, he had a 1.39 ERA and a .84 WHIP, with 12.8 strikeouts per nine innings over his last five outings since he returned from the disabled list. So I really wouldn't be too crazy about you know. Uh, any of this stuff. I, I Andrea, a Andrea, yeah, yeah. put it into perspective for you, what I said about Kluber. So yeah. he came back in late July, okay? Yeah. 13 innings, two runs, 16 strikeouts. Five outings. Uh, then, then in August. Then in August. Yeah. Um, 24 innings pitched. Sorry, you know what? Forget forget about the last outing because that, that was last night. Um, 19 and a third innings pitched, three runs. 30 strikeouts. He'd been dealing. Dude, in the last 30 days, he has 50 strikeouts in 37 innings. That's like a closer material. You know, that's what you expect from a guy that comes in and pitches one inning here and there. This guy has definitely um, been on fire. So that's why I'm not going to jump, you know, I'm not going to freak out over this one bit. And I know Terry Francona's not freaking out because that's the kind of guy he is. So. Let's just. Oh yeah, but if you let's pretend uh, if, that would never happen. If you're in like a matchup league, though, if you're in like a matchup league, though, and you're going in to the final day like close in certain categories, he just lost you. You're, you're weak. Well, jo you know, join the crowd. I think it happens to everybody. I, I, you know, it's it sucks. I got crushed this week in Tower Wars. I didn't get for some reason like one week my hitters get like the most home runs, the most runs, and the most RBIs of anybody in the league. And then this last week, you get, like, the least of all of them. So it's almost like all of my players take a break at the same time, which, whatever. That's the ups and downs of fantasy baseball, so, right? Well, Whit Merrifield keeps on hitting. Yes. Um, Lorenzo Cain having a great second half as well. He's going to get paid this offseason. Right. Um, Bradley Zimmer stole his 15th base. Lindor hit a home run and stole a base, so you got that going. Let's talk about the Cubbies and the Blue Jays. The Cubbies swept the Blue Jays. They went through seven pitchers. The Jays went through five pitchers, although I think this game went into extra innings. Um, Marco Estrada did okay. He he looked fine. Pitched six innings, three earned runs, five hits, four strikeouts, and one walk. Josh Donaldson played shortstop, right, for the first time in his career. 
Yeah, I saw that, and I was thinking, well, maybe they'll. Um, I think he started at shortstop, right, and then eventually they moved him over over to third, or was it that he started at? He third? was a catcher, dude. No, he was a catcher. He never. No, no, I'm I'm saying in this game specifically. Oh, I don't um, know. Because I... I think Batista plays some third base. Bautista plays some third base, which he hasn't done in years, and Donaldson played short, but at some point, Batista went back to right, and Donaldson went back to third base, I think, in the game. I wasn't watching it, but I know they both were kind of all over the place. He played shortstop, um, and then he went to third base. So, But my point is, he's never played shortstop in his career, so what up with that? Um, I don't know. I mean, that would be cool if they played him a little bit. Uh, B-Don says he played shortstop once in 2011. I guess that was with Oakland. Um, oh. It would be cool if he played there a little more because he could probably get position eligibility in certain leagues. Right. I mean, Having that, him as shortstop but, would be crazy. So, I mean, you think like that. I mean, but as we know, they're not thinking about us. So what? what is the re- – does anybody know the reason for this? You guys tell it to us in the chat room. Kyle Hendricks went six innings. You know what's interesting about this game too is that Miguel Montero, after being such a dick about Jake Arrieta not he going – He got booed. He got I, booed. Well, not – I don't care about getting booed. Hendricks stood up for him, right? I don't know who – I don't really know that. All I know is that he did apologize when he got there, right? He got – he apologized. Um, they were playing in Toronto, right? They were at Toronto, I believe. No, this game – these games were in Chicago. Oh. So the, the Cubs fans – the Cubs fans booed Montero. Okay, which I don't blame them. Hendricks – no, me either. But Hendricks actually came out and How defended – For what? And defended Montero How? and said that the Cubs fans shouldn't have done that. Why? It wasn't. It wasn't right to Why? do that. Well, it wasn't right to talk shit about your pitcher either, and it wasn't just talking shit. It was like some serious, like blame game play, being played, and you don't do that when you're a teammate and stuff like. Well, nobody else has ever called me a bad teammate, and you know what bugs me the most about it is that he didn't come out and say and make an apology to Arietta or his teammates until he was stuck having to come back to Chicago and face the music. So to me, that the apology is junk. Don't apologize to me if you don't mean it. Don't just do it just for the sake of doing it because now you have to come to Chicago, right? I mean, if you really were sorry about what you did, then you probably would have maybe written a note to the team or made an apology and said, I was all hyped up and I shouldn't have said that, you know, because we all say stuff we don't mean sometimes, you know, and he's yeah, the that was it was definitely a too little, too late type of situation. Totally. I mean, absolutely. Come on, man. The Cubbies, I don't blame him for one second. But either way, I kind of feel a little bad for Ontario, but not that bad. Not that bad. He had a home run, by the way, too, yesterday. So he got his just justice. Well, you know what? He hit – you know what? Cubs fans shouldn't hate him that much. He hit that crazy big grand slam for them in the uh, NLCS last year. Really helped them in that series against oh, the Dodgers. Oh, please. That's one hit. So, one hit. Yeah, but, but I know. But, but the, like that's – I still love Aaron Boone for his one big hit. Well, you got to quit loving guys for one hit. You got to love them for the teammate that they are. The – uh, piece of the whole, you know, that's how it works. Either way, <laughs> it's okay. I'm not saying I'm when right. You're, <laughs> when you're when you're a diehard, you're a diehard. I mean, when like to to me that like for for Boone for instance, like that that's one of my favorite playoff moments, um, you know, of my lifetime so far. And for Cubs fans, I mean, think about how long they waited. And waited and waited just to even get back to the World Series. And that Grand Slam couldn't have come at a better time when it was hit. So, I mean, 
I'm well, not saying they owe him anything. I mean, I'm look, just saying, like, Montero. The guy, the guy doesn't deserve all the sh- all the crap. Well, first of all, he's not that good. He doesn't. He's not a good defensive catcher. He's not that good of a defensive catcher. Okay, David Ross used to be able to get runners out all the time. He didn't look. He had no problem getting runners out, okay? And so, obviously, Jake Arrieta wasn't pitching too slow for him to get runners out. But they stole seven bases on Montero. And when you look at his stats, when I looked at his stats at the time just to see, is this guy normally good at throwing runners out? No, he's never good at throwing runners out. So, you know, it just makes it that much worse. He's a backup catcher, so he got that grand slam. But all of the stuff that David Ross did for the team, I'm – I'm a little partial to though, so like whatever. Cause oh, Dave, David Ross is so much more valuable, hundred percent. So you can't, you can't even compare the two. The White Sox beat the Rangers. Imagine that the White Sox win. Uh, Juan Mania, he's got two saves. He's also got a 4.65 ERA. But maybe you could go pick up this guy to get saves. Yeah, he is available. He is available. I was looking at him. Well, go get him, dude. Been, no, he's been he's gonna kill my ERA and WHIP. I can't. I, Listen, I, I don't even want him. No, your ERA and WHIP are not gonna be affected at this point in the season unless it's a weekly league. Is it a weekly league? It's a head-to-head league or what? No, it's it's roto, but then they can't affect your ERA and WHIP enough to matter when they're only pitching one inning. They are when they give up runs every time they pitch. I'm telling you, the saves are worth something right now. The ERA and the whip, you just throw a couple starters in there, you'll never know the guy blew up. <laughs> Either well, way, I'm just, I mean, the I, White Sox I'm just hoping that Bud Norris gets his job back and then I won't need saves. Well, I'm hoping that Cam Bedrosian doesn't get hurt again, but that's a, that's a big <laughs> – right? That's like a wish. That's just a dream. Yeah, Fantasy. It, See, Walter, I'm I'm with you. A relief pitcher can totally destroy your ERA. I was winning ERA. How can and Chapman? Chapman has single-handedly. I'm sorry. There's no way that Chapman has single-handedly hurt your ERA. Yes, it's gone. In it's a gone up. League. It's gone up so much. There's no way. You need to look at your starters and figure out what they're doing. Your Danny Salazar's. That's yeah. What... Chapman has done it over the past month. He, he only pitches. Has. He pitches an and, inning five but that's, times. But that's, but that's why it kills you because if he was pitching five innings and giving up five runs, it wouldn't be a big deal. But he's pitching an, an inning and two-thirds of giving up five runs. But you, and the ERA, ERA and whip explode. Okay. Moving on. White Sox beat the Rangers 3-2. to two. We already said that. Odor hit his 27th home run. And Mike Napoli, what's up with him? I mean, I thought about picking him up last night because he is on a tear right now. He went two for four. He's been hitting really good. Three home runs in the last four games. Ten RBIs over the last week. Are you kidding me? Like, that's huge. Ten RBIs in a weekly league, a head-to-head league. That could have helped you win that week just because of that. Um, yeah, except for the fact that his batting average sucks that and he, I mean, his, he has an under three on base percentage too. I mean, yeah, I know. He's, 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 he's purely hit or miss. I know. Like, pun intended. Right. Um, I know. But yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, when you get 10 RBIs in a week though, yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Okay, I'm a big – let's talk about the Milwaukee beating the Colorado. Milwaukee's been uh, – they've won six of their last seven, so all of a sudden they're back in action, like they're back in it, like kind of. You know, they're still back in it. They can still do this. What do you think about Milwaukee? you think they have a chance here? I absolutely think they have, have a chance. I don't think they're going to catch the Cubs because I think the Cubs are, you know, found their stride. The Cubs are going to win this division. But, but I really think the Brewers have a really good shot at a, one of the two wildcard spots, whether it's Colorado or, or Arizona. One of them is going to fall out. 
can they make the playoffs? Yes, they can. Yes, hundred percent. Right? Okay. I'm saying. I'm saying. I actually think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think. I don't think they can. I know they can, and I think they're going to. Um, I am going to say that I'm a big fan of Chase Anderson, who just came off the DL and had his first pit, uh, first outing yesterday. I'm trying to pull up his numbers right now, but something's stuck in my keyboard, and I can't type in anybody's name, so what the hell? Just trust me on this one. Chase Anderson is worth picking up. Oh, he definitely is. He's um, he's he's great home and on the road, um, and he's only going to get stronger too because um, he's still probably building that arm strength back up because he missed a bunch of time. Um, the Rockies, on the other hand, um, they they concern me because as hot as they can be at times, they could go like eight, eight, eight of ten, win you know eight of 10 or 15 to 20, whatever. And they could also lose 15 to 20 so quickly too. This team is really, really streaky. I still don't trust their starting rotation. Well, and, yeah, I mean, um, they're, they're lucky that Arizona is also struggling because of Arizona continued at the pace that they were at. And there's no reasonable explanation in my mind for Arizona to be struggling. The Rockies would be in a lot worse shape. They're just lucky that Zona decided to struggle at the same time. Now, okay, so they are both, Arizona and Colorado are both 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Arizona's lost three in a row. Colorado's lost two in a row. They both are pretty streaky, but who the hell, there's nobody, dude. I mean, St. Louis is still there, you're right. Milwaukee's still there, you're right. And that's about it. Like, watch, we know, I mean, the Nationals are going to win the East Division. The Cubbies are fighting with Milwaukee and St. Louis. I mean, Pittsburgh, you could even say that Pittsburgh isn't really out of it either, okay? But, so there's four teams right there in the Central that actually could get a wild card. And then you got the Dodgers who could lose every game from here to the rest of the end of the season and still make the playoffs. Yeah, the, the, the Dodgers. The Dodgers <laughs> realistically, the Dodgers realistically could win. Um, no games. Could, could, yeah, I zero. Mean, in theory, yes. It's so, true. They I could mean, lose every I say, game. I, I I would say if they finish the season with eighty-seven wins, they might miss out on a playoff spot. I don't it's know. possible. It's 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 not probable though. That's for sure. Okay. But we'll talk about the Dodgers in a minute. Mark Reynolds, Mark Reynolds is like the gift that keeps giving every year. Or what? 26th home Mark run. Reynolds. What? Mark Reynolds is just, I mean, like he is, he is also, you said Curtis Granderson is frustrating. Mark Reynolds is frustrating because every time you want to count this guy out and think, okay, like he's not going to do anything this season or this week or whatever, he does it. Well, I can't. And then when you start believing in him, he, he slumps and he struggles and does nothing. I don't know because I don't own him. So I can't say that. I mean, I'll take your word for it because I know how frustrating Granderson is. And I could see that Curtis Grant or that Mark Reynolds could be that. But let me tell you one thing. Mark Reynolds will crush Granderson in OBP. He will also crush Granderson in batting average because this guy, he maintains a good batting average one way or another. I don't know if he goes through weeks without hitting any home runs, but um, he's not, like, crushing your average and stuff. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't play every day. I'm not really sure. Well, his 280 batting average is is great for him because um, you expect this guy to be hitting something like 240 maybe. 250 if you're lucky it's interesting so with him the average yeah his 280 average has been pretty good this year um Look but it doesn't his... even stand out to you because the rest <laughs> of the team 
the rest of the team, the guys above him are all hitting well over 300. Look at, so he just looks average on, on this team. If you look at Mark Reynolds' stats and you look at his batting average all the way up until he went to Colorado, which was last season, he was a two – I mean, he was a Mendoza line pitcher uh, hitter. He was like 220, okay? That was his batting average, 220. When he moved to Colorado, all of a sudden it's 280, and it's been that way for two years now. So, I mean, that just goes to show you what what it's like pitching in Colorado and how much uh, got – you know, if you're an eight on the scale of – no, let's say you're a five on the scale of one to ten. You automatically go up to an eight when you move to Colorado as a hitter. Okay, Corey Nebel got his. Yeah, well, didn't Michael Kadire win a batting title because oh. he went to Colorado? Colorado. It was Michael Kadire, uh, Kubel, and Reynolds. Kadire, Kubel, and Reynolds. I remember owning all three of them in uh, one season, and I, I used to love it because they would bat fourth, fifth, and sixth or something. I I think that was right, but either way, it was they were all one after the. I feel the like Kubel. I feel like Kubel was actually worse in Colorado. No, I don't know. I think he only lasted one season, so we got that going. But yeah. Corey Nebel but got the dire. Yeah, that that was that was ridiculous what he did when he got when he went there. He, you know, Milwaukee can thank their bullpen for what they're doing because uh, Neville, he struck out 99 batters so far this season, the most by any Milwaukee Brewers relief pitcher ever in a season, and he got his 26th save. So, yeah, I mean, you just got things clicking over there, but where's Eric Thames? I don't know. If he hits three more home runs, I lose my bet. So I'm hoping that he doesn't. And there's a chance. Well, Thames wasn't in the lineup yesterday because I believe Freeland was on the mound. He's a lefty. I think. Yes. I don't think they play Thames versus lefties. Right. Um, He's lost his job to lefties now. Well, he should because they have uh, that Aguilar guy who hits lefties very well, who I think is better overall than Eric Thames. Well, Eric Thames has hit four home runs in the last 30 games. The day after I made the bet, uh, he must have hit four or five home runs in the next three days. It was so bad. It was like good timing, Andy. So you, he was like eight or nine home runs away from 30, and I said he's not going to hit 30 by September 30th. And then the next three days he hit like four, and I'm like, oh, good. But now all of a sudden he stopped, so I'm really hoping that comes true. Then I'll be Wonder Woman, and everybody will love me. Okay, and so let's talk about Philly. Philly, San Francisco. They beat San Francisco 5-2, to two, no biggie. Oh, the battle of two of the worst, most boring teams in baseball. Bumgarner was there, though, on the mound. He did okay. He does good all the time. Reese Hoskins hit his fifth home run, fourth home run this week. Three of four of those home runs have come against lefties, although he doesn't just hit lefties. He actually hit righties better in the minors, so I'm not saying that he's only good against lefties. He's just good. Right now he's playing in the outfield, but Aaron Alther is going to come back. He's going to get moved back to first base, so you got a little position eligibility there. And Tommy Joseph is, is just pretty much asked out of a job because he can't hit worth crap. Yeah, well, I do like Hoskins and uh, Nick Williams. I like both these guys for Phillies and I like that we're seeing some of their young players it's a shame that Herrera is hurt now because um, it would have been it'd be nice to see all these guys together and of course everybody in this chat room's favorite player Neris got the save Hector Neris oh hell yeah I know he you know whatever so I've dropped and picked up so many closers this year it's it's uh, it's just something that I don't really even prefer to think about let's talk about do you have anything else to say about that game because it's pretty pretty much done I have absolutely nothing of interest on this game at all. Oh, actually, I do. Pablo Sandoval. Oh, um, obviously, God. we know he's back. He's back. 
he's back in yes. uh, the big leagues, yeah. back to San Francisco. Yeah. He left four, four guys on base, you know, no big deal, kind of what we're used to seeing. I just think that's um, that's just one of those things I think is hilarious to point out that so, he is playing somewhere else. It's interesting that you pointed out because he wrote an article. He did a piece in the Players' Tribune. Uh, like last week, I think. Anyway, it was in Chatter because it was pretty interesting. He talked about how um, he never really, you know, he was pissed off when he left San Francisco. It was the only team he ever knew. He was there from the time they drafted him when he was 16 years old. And so when he got moved to Boston, he was pissed off. So he said some things he didn't mean. And, of course, here comes the apology, right? Now I got to apologize because I got to go back and face the fans, right, that were so nice to me for all of these. Well, where do you think Miguel Montero got the idea from? Oh, yeah, right. They're probably friends. But so um, Pablo Sandoval basically just talked about how happy he was to be going home, how he cried and all of these things. And it was kind of like – it was pretty touching. You know, I'm a chick, so I kind of dig on that stuff. But – the radio guys in Boston were just going on and on about how Pablo Sandoval, because, you know, he he, he was not – I don't think he was treated that good. Boston's another place that is pretty tough on you if you don't take care of business. And Pablo Sandoval, you know, Mr. in the best shape of his life, was definitely not in the best shape of his life in Boston, you know. And Well, I mean, if David Price gets – if David Price gets shit there, then obviously Sandoval was going to get shit there too. I think David Price is getting the raw end of the deal on this one, but they're, you know, what are you going to do? It's it's the media for you. Don't believe everything they say. Okay. Well, the thing is, is that for Price, it's like he's, I like, I, I do believe he's getting treated a bit unfairly, but at the same time, like, he knew what he was getting into when he signed in Boston. He There's doesn't care, though. That are interested. No, he doesn't at all. But that's, but that's only going to make them attack him more because it, he takes that out attitude he should have known going into a big market if he's going to go to a market like that and not just a big market one of the biggest for all all sports the media that they're hounds there they know that they were going to go after him even if he even if he had a good attitude about it because he's not pitching the way Chris exactly. Sale is pitching right, right. now, exactly. he's going to get shit. He could do anything he wants as long as he gets it done on the mound, and that's all there is to it. You could treat everybody like total crap. They're going to love you if you pitch well. That's it. They're disappointed in him, so they don't. They aren't going to let him get away with anything, especially since, like, you know, Eckersley is like, or whatever. You know, the, the, the thing is, is that the whole fight that he's getting all this shit about, he was sticking up for another player. He was sticking up for Eduardo Rodriguez because he didn't like what the announcer said about him in his rehab start, how he said, you know, he didn't look good in his rehab or whatever. He gave up a bunch of runs and it wasn't cool. So David Price basically stood up for Eduardo Rodriguez saying, you know, it's funny that a guy that's a pitcher that is going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher has the, you know, balls to sit there and talk about a guy. I mean, he know he should know what it's like. And, he and should- he's right, Price. He's right to do that. And by anything I've ever heard, um, Price is a fantastic teammate. His teammates really like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and but- he did, I, in my opinion, him standing up for his guy, um, like, bravo. Plus, like, you know, he well deserved. He stays away from the media, so he automatically is the bad guy because when you only hear one side, you only uh, that's the side that you take. Like it's like Brandon Phillips, you know, he hates the media. He never he doesn't go out there and say, "Look, look at my stats. My stats speak for themselves." He just avoids the media. So, because of that, 
they um, jump all over him and then they just, you know, and the media especially hates him. So when the media doesn't like you because you won't talk to them, well, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to talk bad about you. So anyway, let's move on. The Nats, the Nationals. They, uh, Gio Gonzalez is out of control. So anybody that owns him, he is the gift that keeps on giving this season. Six and two thirds, five hits, no earned runs, one walk, struck out eight. Love it. Fourth straight win for Gio. And the Nats have allowed more than three runs one time in their last 11 games. So they are not. And Sean Doolittle has been really good. 11 for 11. Here's another one. Here's another one. So when a closer sucks, just trade him to another team and he'll be good. Because that's what's happening here. That's what's happening. Doolittle. 11 for 11. Yeah. Struck out the side yesterday. Yeah. Um, I mean, this it's funny because right now the Nationals, um, the rotation is a mess because with Strasburg and Scherzer and everything, all the injuries. But I kind of love their bullpen now with Kinsler and Madsen and Blanton and Doolittle. I mean, it's it's they're, they're, what was their weakness coming into the year is probably their biggest strength right now, especially with Harper being out now, too. Um, it's, it's funny how things like that work out. Yeah, you know um... – I, there was a game where I was thinking to myself, what is this pitcher? Why did they leave this guy in here so long? Why? And I don't know why I haven't run across him yet, but I only have one game left, and I don't think I'm going to get him. Anyway, Denelson, Lamette, 94 pitches, four and two-thirds innings, three earned runs, walked six batters. Like, that's a lot of walks. He struck out eight, so it makes it a little bit better, but, you know, luckily this guy, he pitches, he's a San Diego guy, right? So... He he another another one park here where you go from like a, a five out of ten pitcher and when you move to San Diego now you're an eight out of ten pitcher because you're automatically better like couple notches <laughs> in San Diego. Always, but you're never ever going to be good when you walk six guys. So the Pirates beat the Cardinals six to three. Hold My- on. Eckersley said yuck, I think, about Eduardo Rodriguez. I say yuck to Denelson Lamette's start yesterday. Yuck. Okay, well, you're not a, you know, you're not a Hall of Fame pitcher, so you're allowed to say that, you know. Exactly. You do have to have a little bit of feelings and perspective from the player's point of view and not just the media side. You can't forget all of the years that you were actually the guy on the mound, you know. I agree with Price, so, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of people that agree with the other side, but they only agree because Price isn't pitching well. That's how I feel. Mike Leake... Had a bad day. Okay, six earned runs, eight hits, three strikeouts. He didn't walk anyone, but he faced – he needed 17 batters in three innings. So, wait, how many how many innings did he go? I don't even know, but they scored three in the first inning. He, he went three innings, yeah. Okay, so three innings, three earned runs in the first inning, six earned runs total, eight hits, three strikeouts. Bell hit, uh, Josh Bell hit his 21st homer. He's going to be a good guy to look out for next season. He got four RBIs last night. And, and Yvonne Noba, he's okay, but he is definitely, um, I don't know if he's tired. What I do know is that he's showing his pitches. They, they know what they're going to get from Nova. That's, I, you know, I don't know the specific details, but I remember last his last outing, uh, the manager was saying something like, they know exactly what they're going to get when he comes up. So the fact that they are... Now expecting it, it hurts him. You know, you got to be able to adjust. We already know this, right? Hey. Uh, well, th- th- that's part of the game. Yeah. I mean, if you can't, if you can't adjust, you can't adjust. One thing about Nova 
that I've always liked is his abilities to keep the walks down. Never been a huge strikeout guy necessarily, but definitely able to keep the walks down. But he is certainly um, slowed down. I mean, his first two two and a half months, let's say, were fantastic, and everyone was riding that train. And since then, been fairly inconsistent, actually. So um, I'm going to say yuck on him, too. All right, so we went over the games. I want to talk about the reason that I had that game lasted because I wanted to talk a little bit about the MLB Little League Classic that they had yesterday. They actually played uh, this game in at a Little League field, and all the Little Leaguers were there. It was um, the Cardinals and the Pirates. Wait, who was it? Was it the Cardinals and the Pirates? I think it was. It was the Cardinals and the Pirates. Lance Lynn was there. I know that. He was talking. I mean, it's just such a great thing that they did yesterday. And the, I saw – I think Tommy Pham bought like 200 snow cones they, I mean, the interaction between the little leaguers and the players, and the, I think that it was the, it was so good for baseball what happened yesterday. Everybody had, it was like it brought everybody together. It, you know, baseball needs to do stuff like this to get to be out there and have the players out there interacting with the new, you know, these youngsters. They're going to be the future of MLB. You know, they are the future. Most of all. Most of these guys that are American, that are from the United States, they played Little League. So they remember and they get all of these memories. They had shoes. They had autographs. They had dancing. They had so much fun stuff going on yesterday. And it just – it made me feel so happy and it made me feel really proud just for the game of baseball. It was really good. But guess what? There was no exposure on this because everybody in the country is so busy talking about – confederate statues and confederate this and i look i'm not going to try and sound racist here because if anybody knows me it's the last thing that i am i'm an american and i believe wholeheartedly that judging somebody based on the color of their skin is unbelievably stupid it's ignorant and it's the last thing that we should do i obviously feel that we've learned our lesson about this when the country i mean we've had there's been a lot of bad things that have happened but this country grows you know we grow as a country we learn from our mistakes and we move forward so what really got me and what has really sparked the rant that i'm about to have is the 90 year old bust of lincoln that was burned and destroyed in chicago it was the last straw for me where i feel like what the hell is going on it was spray painted to say fuck law okay these people, they want to ban free speech, they want total government, but they hate the law, right? So it makes no sense that this is happening. And well, Lincoln, it's hypocritical, yeah. Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He was known as the great emancipator. This is the guy that freed the slaves. So you destroying President Lincoln is not really helping your cause, okay? Now, we – I understand that, you know – these statues, they bring back memories or whatever, but why didn't anybody have a problem now? And all of a sudden, everybody's got a problem with the statues. These congressmen, they don't have anything on Trump. They did all of these months. They did all of these investigations, and now you're not hearing about the Russia thing anymore. Now you're hearing about white Nazis and white supremacists, and I feel as a white person that – we're the ones being discriminated against here because if you're white and if you're proud of your country and if you feel like tearing down statues and – let me say something. There's 10 military bases named after Confederates. There's 2,668 streets in this country named Jefferson Davis, Calhoun Memorial Highway. There's all kinds – 
2,668 streets named after these guys. There's nearly 200 schools named after Confederates, 1,500 monuments and statues. Now, again, hating people just because they look different from you is absolutely stupid. And it's a sad day to remember the things that we did in this country to people owning slaves and all this stuff. But erasing history and pretending like it never happened is also very stupid. Here's why. If you forget the mistakes that you made, you are going to repeat those mistakes. We need to remember them so that we can remember the lessons that we learned and not to do them again. I, I mean, being an American, you, I have a lot of pride in the liberty and the justice for all and what that means to this country and to the people of this country and what it means to freedom. And it means, it doesn't seem like it means that much to these people that are destroying this stuff. They don't think about the big picture and where does it stop? When you start just destroying statues because you don't like them and you don't even know why you don't like them. I am, I mean, I'm not defending racism and I'm definitely not defending what happened, but erasing words doesn't mean that the words were never written, right? They were written. Bad things, they happen. They happen to good people. They happen for all sorts of reasons. We're taking Mark to college tomorrow. And so it rings like especially true for me because I just pray that we have like equipped him with enough sense to make smart decisions and to question things and to think for himself. And I'm really worried about the way that our schools are teaching our kids to be constant victims to rather than exercising their critical thinking and free thinking skills, they're exercising their right to go to their safe place, right, at school, where nobody is going to make them feel uncomfortable because everybody in their vicinity is just like them. And any young adult, in fact, any normal adult, is going to choose to be comfortable rather than be uncomfortable. They're going to choose the path of least resistance, and that is exactly the opposite of what I want Mark to be doing. And I want him to think outside of the box and quit acting like vandalizing and destroying history is going to make all of your pain go away. By the way, most of these people doing all of these things, right, they're protesting and rioting. They don't even know what it's like to be treated poorly because of the skin color, because none of them have lived in the days when it was. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I know it still does happen. But we've come a long way as a country since the days of slavery and even since the 60s when people like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, they actually risked their lives and many actually died so that the future generations would have the opportunities that they do. And they do. So forgive me that I get a little annoyed when I see people like Colin Kaepernick kneeling down during the national anthem, acting like he's fighting for a cause he doesn't even know anything about because he's never, ever been. He's privileged. He's lived his whole life privileged. He's about to get his own display at the Smithsonian, the National Museum of African-American History. OK, he's about to get a spot in Black Lives Matter. He's, he claims that he's going to donate a million dollars. But he's only given a total of 200,000 and 200,000 might sound like a lot to me and you. But if you are going to kneel down and you are going to take that stance, 200,000 is, is like he got fined 11,000 for calling somebody a racist slur just a couple years ago. So, you know, for some reason, he thinks that it's OK to use his platform to wear socks with pigs on them, dressed like police officers to football practice. He thinks it's okay to kneel down during our national anthem 
And it's a disgrace to the people that actually did suffer racial bias and to those people who actually, ha I mean, that have nothing, who are stuck in the ghetto that he never was stuck in and never went out without a damn thing in his entire life. He's privileged. So it wouldn't even matter if I saw him just one time do just one thing that was beneficial towards the cause of Black Life Matters, that he did one thing other than take a knee and make a you know big, big statement about it and wear socks that have police pigs on it. That's disgusting. It's so easy to take a knee, but has he ever, ever gone into the inner cities and actually helped somebody find a job or organized fundraisers or advertised for charities or use his platform to do something positive rather than just, uh, just encourage this absolute chaos that's going on in this country. So open your history books, quit acting like Abraham Lincoln needs to be destroyed and burned and graffitied because he's actually the guy that fought for your rights. And that's that, right? I mean, and one more thing, free speech means free speech. If you don't like what somebody's saying, don't listen to them. You have the right to gather and you have the right to peacefully protest. That's what this country is built on. And if we start making these rules where one person can say something, but nobody else can because we don't like it. Now you're, it's just so contradicting because you don't want anybody telling, you know, you don't want anybody to say things that you might not like, but you want to be able to say what you like, but then you don't like the police officers doing any kind of law. So what the hell do you want? You want government or no government? It's one or the other. I mean, that's just my opinion. Are you still there? I'm still here, and I think a lot of people in the chat room are still here because um, that that was a good speech. First off, oh. um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you said there, and I pretty much agree with most of it. I'm not going to recap it because everyone just you heard know what, it. Walter? Um, but let me say one thing: you're not required to stand during the national anthem. Obviously, you're not. But See, this just is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. We're raising our children to have no respect for what our forefathers did for our freedoms, for us to live this plush life where we just have all of these things and we take everything for granted. We forget all of the people that gave their lives for our rights and we have no respect for our flag or our national anthem. Then you don't deserve to be here then. That's how I feel about it. You want to burn the well, American flag? There's, Andrea, there's that, but there's also, I mean... I think there's, it's. I mean, maybe it's like an unwritten rule, so to speak. But when you're in a professional athlete and you're in the limelight, you have a responsibility to, to like kids, young kids, people watching these games who are supposed to be looking up to you, and you're setting a poor example. And that's what kind of irks me the most. Is exactly Big Al on the prowl. It's about respect, and um, it's. I don't care that he kneeled like me personally. It doesn't bother me, but it's about the, um, the example he's setting for all these kids or these young adults, whatever it might be who see this and then think it's okay. And I say the same thing about, um, I know, you know, some people like some people don't, but when guys throw at other guys in the big leagues and then someone goes to the mound and it gets all vicious, like I understand fighting you know it's part of the game it happens and whatnot but there's certain times like the hunter strickland thing with bryce harper for instance that was setting a poor example um for what should happen in the game 
And I know I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but my point really is that these athletes, because they are in the limelight, because they do have the ability to impact people and what they think, they need to be more responsible in how they act. I agree that there is no law that says you have to have respect for your country, but you should, because if you ever took your privileged ass to any other country, you might appreciate America a little more. And you might actually appreciate and have a little gratitude for the people around you and respect the laws and the amendments of our Constitution that has kept us free for all of these years. And yes, we made mistakes. And yes, there is racism. And yes, you're never going to ever, there's always going to be groups like the Nazis. There's always going to be groups that are extremists. But right now, we are creating a situation where it's, it's very bad, and it is, it's probably going to turn into a civil war, and I have no doubt that if it does, it's going to be martial law against these hoodlums who have no clue what they're even protesting, and, and they say that they're anti-fascist, but they are fascist. Everything they do is fascist. They are fascists trying to fight against fascism. It makes no sense to me. So, no, you don't have to stand during the um, national anthem. You don't have to... You know, sing along. It's a matter of respect, though. And when you stand down, when you sit on a knee, then you're making a statement, okay? And that's fine. If he, it, like I said, if he kneels down because of a cause, and Etchin Table said that he sat down for a national anthem because he felt like we could do better as a country. We can do better, but you, um, then do something about it besides just kneeling down in front of millions of people on national television. Do something that's real. Say something real. Go help people and don't wear police socks with pigs on them because basically you're just saying that every police officer is bad when we know that they're not all bad and you sure wouldn't be saying that if somebody was attacking you and you needed one of them. These guys talk about somebody that puts their life on the line every day when they go to work. They deserve a little respect. And yes, there are bad seeds out there. I'm totally not going to say that there's not. And yes, I believe that they are not as nice to colored people as they are to white people. But and, and I there's nothing I can do about that. I agree that it's a problem. Um, but I also think that the statistics that we're looking at, it, it's not just black people. It's not just white cops, you know, killing black people. It Black cops are likely to kill black people too it's all about the threat level that they have if you don't put your arms in the air when they say to put your arms in the air you get one shot you put your arms up like i don't know there's problems on both sides for sure and it's not perfect it's just that you there's got to be a more positive way to take care of your frustrations and most of these people 90 percent of them have never felt any bit of racism in their entire lives No, they haven't, but they still feel entitled to um, say and do do what they want. And um, I, I mean, I think you're also right when you say they don't even necessarily know what they're fighting for. I think they I think they're just fighting for the sake of fighting because they see other people doing it. So it's like, OK, well, I'll just join in. It gives me something to do and something to believe in. They don't even actually know what it is that they're fighting for, though. I'm so glad that people stayed, and I'm so glad that I got that out. I really actually feel like a whole bunch better. I really do. Like, I feel just that I was able to just scream my opinion out at everybody and make them listen because I'm the only one <laughs> – because we're the, we're the ones that get to talk right now. So thanks for listening, you guys. And um, 
I'll never, you know, make judgments about who you are as a person if you don't agree with me at all. I, I understand that people don't agree with me. I just, it, what, you know, I'm looking at a situation right now. I'm starting to get concerned, especially dropping Mark off at school. It's like, I just pray that I've given him enough just uh, resilience and just that, you know, free thinking. And I just hope that he has that. And so we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. I'm probably in, you know, he's, he's 18. So I'm sure there'll be ups and downs along the road, but you know, no matter what he's, he'll be good. Yeah. I'm sure he's got a good head on his shoulders. I'm sure you guys have prepared him. Uh, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he's more prepared than at least 50% of his classmates will be. So I, yeah, that's already, he already has the upper hand there. Right. And I raised him listening to Tupac. So he's got to be smart, right? <laughs> And probably a badass, too. Definitely that. Okay. So thanks, everybody. Have a good uh, good day. Lenny and I will be – I don't know who's doing the podcast tomorrow. Maybe Lenny, maybe me, maybe Lou. I'm not really sure, but we definitely – somebody will be here. And we're not leaving until tomorrow night at midnight, and then we're off. So I got this T-shirt that says, The Adventure Begins, and I'll be wearing that on my way out of here. And it'll be a ton, it'll be a ton of fun. We're coming to California, too, by the way, so we will keep in touch, Lou. Oh, I know, I know. I'm very excited. We'll definitely be in touch. All right, dude. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks all. Have a good one, everybody.